Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. I want to make a disclaimer that the opinions stated herein in this podcast are those of Warren Katz, and they do not reflect the position of the U.S. Air Force. Uh, hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is uh, Warren Katz. He's a managing director of uh, Techstars, the U.S. Air Force Autonomous Technology Accelerator. And um, Warren, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming. Doing great. Really appreciate being here. Yeah. I didn't know the uh, Air Force had a technology accelerator. That's that's really interesting. Can you tell me? Um, you know, what motivated the Air Force to do this and what does the accelerator look like? What are the basics of it? Sure. So the um, the Air Force was uh, a little disappointed in their own performance, uh, reaching out to startup companies that have the most innovative uh, new technologies and new products, which is something our adversaries around the world have no qualms about doing. Uh, this is beginning to put uh, the U.S. Department of Defense uh, behind the rest of the world and that our um, slow acquisition process uh, gives our warfighters uh, inferior technologies years later after our adversaries are buying the commercial versions off the shelf. The Air Force uh, has been uh, uh, look, looking inwardly and uh, figuring out how to uh, catch up and, in fact, surpass everybody else by um, making the very, very best use of the most up-to-date commercial technologies that are coming out of startup companies uh, and uh, trying to change their own technology purchasing and drag those customers not uh, turning them into defense contractors and not putting them out of business and not making them wait many, many years for their money. Uh, so it's a, it's a way of the Air, for the Air Force to become much more nimble in the way they find, assess, buy, and deliver uh, technologies to the warfighter. Uh, Techstars runs about 45 accelerators around the world. Uh, about half of them are partner-funded accelerators, meaning that a large corporate entity like Disney or Amazon or Barclays Bank, Stanley Black & Decker, uh, they fund Techstars to run an accelerator on their behalf uh, in their interest area. Uh, and the reason why is uh, the Air Force is not the only large organization in the world that is upset about their own lack of, of innovativeness inside their company. They seek to partner with startup companies that are much more aggressive, much less risk averse. So my program is one of these uh, vertically funded uh, partner programs that Techstars runs. Uh, mine happens to be the only one funded by a governmental agency. Uh, and essentially, the Techstars Accelerator is a 13-week long uh, compressed business school, if you will, um, uh, with a curriculum designed for uh, entrepreneurs who've already started their company, already have their idea, uh, very often have their product finished and they're in the marketplace and simply need uh, a compressed business school to accelerate their um, their progress in the marketplace. Uh, and that's what uh, we do for the Air Force. We select uh, from hundreds of applicants. We set, select 10 companies that have uh, products that are first and foremost commercially viable outside the Department of Defense. And second of all, uh, provide a useful product that the Air Force would like to buy off the shelf at some point in the future. So we accelerate those companies. We get their, their, their products a little more mature if that's necessary uh, or get them on the path to, uh, uh, to commercial sales uh, a lot better and uh, teach them how to structure the internals of their company, how to hire, how to deal with sales and marketing, pipelines, how to raise money, 
uh, from venture capitalists if necessary. Uh, and in my case, we also help them uh, bid and win government contracts to begin uh, delivery of their product to the government. So that's essentially uh, Techstars in a nutshell. I mean, Techstars is, uh, we brand ourselves as the network that helps entrepreneurs succeed uh, and uh, Accelerator is sort of our flagship product. So that's basically the, the long and the short of it. You know, what's funny is that um, some people think the military has all this secret technology that no one else has. And then you're saying the military sometimes doesn't even have technology that's commercially available or they won't make use of it. So it's kind of funny that it's uh, the opposite. And I, I'm sure there's lots of conspiracy theorists that think, again, that the military has all these super secret technology that no one else knows about. You know, and it's more advanced. So uh, you that, that, into is, that perception. Uh, so, yeah, so that so that is true uh, in a lot of respects. I, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, uh, classified materials way, way in the past. And there's uh, there are things that uh, the U.S. Department of Defense has that, that nobody knows about that are quite secret. Uh, but then again, there are things that the uh, Department of Defense uh, has struggled with for many years, and some uh, commercial company will leapfrog them rather violently uh, and obsolete many, many years and many, many hundreds of millions or billions of dollars worth of work. And it's incumbent upon the Air Force and DOD in general to recognize when that occurs uh, to abandon as quickly as possible their in-house project that, that was leapfrogged or was obsoleted and to jump onto the commercial technology as quickly as possible. So it's a blend. There are yep. many things in the Department of Defense that, that nobody in the, in the civilian world or the commercial world has ever seen and probably won't see for many, many, many years. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of uh, uh, stuff that the DOD has been making in-house, which they really shouldn't be, and are wasting a considerable amount of money uh, doing things that could readily be bought off the shelf, uh, therefore saving that precious money to be applied to those really exotic, hard problems that only the DOD can pursue. So it's kind of a mix. Makes sense. Yeah. What about the, um, I know if a company is going to go into your accelerator, by definition, they have to be okay with working with the government. I mean, again, this is just my opinion and perception, but I would think some companies say, oh, I don't want the government to, to bother me or get, this, get its hands on this. I don't, I don't, this is technology for the people or something, or this is for commercial use, and I don't want government co-opting it. Do you ever get that perception or that, that kind of blowback or because people know what the program is, there's none of that? Um, very, very little to none that I'm exposed to. That could be a function of, uh, of the people who reach out to me are self-selecting in to this uh, concept of, of working with the, the, uh, the Air Force uh, off the bat. So I don't receive any of the resistance. But, but even when reaching out uh, to companies who are uh, maybe haven't thought about it or ambivalent about it, uh, my usual reaction is generally positive. Uh, um, by, by the company. Um, however, the company has heard rumors that working with the Department of Defense is extremely bureaucratic and very cumbersome, and you have to wait a long time for your money. So it's really not worth uh, trying. It's not worth uh, all of the effort uh, because it's just too much friction before you actually get a sale. And uh, for the most part, that's actually true. Uh, working with the DOD is, is uh, horribly bureaucratic. And, and many companies who have the choice of, of, uh, of working with the DOD or working with uh, commercial uh, customers uh, or have the choice of, of doing both, uh, they will simply go where the grass is greener and the friction is less, which is invariably uh, outside the DOD. Uh, and this is the problem right. is that uh, companies self-select out of doing business with the DOD because it's just too hard and they just don't have to. They have a, a viable healthy commercial product business outside the DOD, 
they'll take a look at the DOD, they'll kick the tires, maybe they'll even try, make one, one attempt to do business with the DOD. But it's the, the moment that there's any friction at all, they just bail out. Uh, and rightfully so. Uh, if they have a, a better opportunity elsewhere that, that's less uh, bureaucratic, that uh, the money flows easier, that uh, the hurdles are lower to actually getting a sale, uh, they will take the path of least resistance. Uh, and this is yeah, the thing sense. that the Air Force needs to fix on the rest of the DOD hmm. as well. They need to make sure that it's easier to work with the DOD than it is to work with anybody else. This way, they will reverse the flow and uh, the DOD will become the first stop for a lot of startup companies instead of uh, uh, a distasteful last resort. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's great. It's a good thinking. Um, when you accelerate a company, do you often have the situation where they'll make a product or a service and there'll be a commercial version and then would, would you ask for a special advanced or tweaked government version that you'll license, let's say, just that part of it and then they go do their commercial stuff and then you have no part of that? Does that happen often? So it, it is something similar to that. Uh, very often, a company will come into my program with a technology that's in a very nascent state. Uh, maybe they have the, uh, the minimally viable product finished and they're demonstrating it. Uh, and the, uh, the Air Force can and should uh, come into that company uh, and say, look, you know, the, this is very, very interesting. We'll pay you to develop a custom variant for us. Uh, we know that you're going to re reuse that same IP, that same technology in the commercial world for your commercial product. So we're okay with you using our money to kill two birds with one stone, to make the custom version for us that we will buy some of in, in as commercially, uh, you know, resembling uh, terms as we possibly can. But we're also okay, and actually we, we like the fact that you're gonna take that same technology and sell it into the commercial world because we would like other people besides the DOD to be uh, subsidizing the next version of your product or the next advancement in your IP. So if you as the company have a healthy commercial business outside of the DOD, then we the DOD don't have to treat you like a welfare case and continuously fund you or, or else we'll go out of business. We want you to have a commercial, commercially viable business so, so, that, so, so money from outside the DOD is used to advance your product and we the DOD can just buy what we need when we need. So that is kind oh, okay. of the mindset of the DOD going in now. The fact that a company might have two versions uh, of the same product with the same underlying uh, IP is good. Uh, if the company comes in with a finished product that they're selling to the commercial world, then the burden is on the Air Force or the DOD to make a deal with the company that is worthwhile to the company, uh, pay them a higher price for the military variant, commit to a large quantity of, of purchases, uh, pay them uh, a grant or some upfront money to uh, make the prototypes. Uh, and, you know, as soon as the, if the DOD, the Air Force cranks up uh, the cash to a certain point, uh, the answer will be yes on the part of the small business. It will be a wise business decision to make a variance just for the military. Uh, they will sell those, those variants. They'll make money off of that. They'll extend their IP. They'll, they'll uh, make their commercial version of the product more robust. Will accelerate the, the you know the face of the company. Uh, it's all a good thing. So that so it can happen both ways. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that's really uh, that's good thinking. It makes a lot of sense, right? I guess the DoD doesn't want um, companies to just give all their technology to them because then they're uh, they could become like a charity case or a burden that they have to support. So it makes yeah, sense which is a commercial uh, version, which makes money on its own. 
Yeah, and yeah, the, there's, there's a current small business program called the SBIR program, which uh, many of our of your viewers might have heard of or applied for. It is uh, the the uh, sort of flagship small business program inside the DOD, and it provides uh, grants for small businesses to make product. But the um, the current uh, defect in that program, the thing that uh, the DOD uh, is is not happy about, is that uh, most of the companies who do these SBIRs simply wind up being lured into continually doing the SBIRs without ever coming out with the commercial product. So it becomes this kind of welfare program for small businesses, whereas it really should be uh, the replacement for a seed round or a venture capital round. The, the company actually should come out with a, a turnkey commercial off-the-shelf product. So with uh, in conjunction with my accelerator program, the Air Force has actually redesigned a, um, a variant of this SBIR program to encourage uh, the companies who apply to actually come out with their commercial off-the-shelf products. Uh, and the way that's uh, done is uh, twofold. One is the timeframes for the award of the contract is vastly accelerated. Uh, the phase one uh, is intended to be awarded in 30 days, uh, which is a $50,000 um, uh, phase one, which uh, asks the company to go find a, uh, a customer inside the DOD. And then the phase two, uh, which in the older program was a labor contract where the contractor would, would be selling labor hours for performing research and development for the government. Instead of that uh, paradigm, which is uh, it's kind of bad because it trains the company into how to be a defense contractor. So instead of that uh, paradigm, the new phase two is just the commercial purchase order or some quantity of product, which forces the small business into the commercial off-the-shelf product business which is kind of really what the DOD should have wanted in the first place. Okay, that's great. Uh, do similar programs exist for Air Force, Marines, you know, Coast Guard, et cetera, or is it just Air Force that you know of? Right now, it's just the Air Force, and based on the success of our first year's program, which occurred in uh, Q1 of 2018, uh, the Air Force has asked Techstar to stand up two programs. So uh, my next program is going to be in Boston, uh, Q1 of 2019, and then later in the year, uh, either Q3 or Q4, uh, the Air Force is going to stand up a space accelerator in Los Angeles that's going to be focused on on space technologies. So Air Force is doubling down. They're very, very happy with the outcome of the first cohort. So they're now doing um, two of these, a very, very high level support inside the Air Force for uh, for this program based on the results of the first outing earlier this year. Uh, I do know that uh, the Navy and the Army are looking at doing these things also, but they, they have not uh, gotten to that point yet. And we do, um, in, in our program, uh, we had a large number of government liaisons or mentors that were assigned to us uh, from the Air Force, uh, and several of them are from the Army and the Marine Corps. So uh, we've, we, we got those services involved in our program because they are perfectly viable customers for all of these products as well. So I'm presuming that um, those uh, government liaisons from the Army and the Marine Corps went back to their uh, respective uh, services and uh, are now uh, planning their own versions of accelerators for uh, themselves. Hmm. How about the, uh, the companies that have been through the accelerator? Are you able to talk about any of them or the technologies that you thought were really interesting? Or is it all? No, you know, uh, it's all publicly available. Uh, they okay. had a marvelous demo day, uh, where each company stood up for five minutes and gave uh, a pitch in front of the uh, 
the vice chief of staff of the Air Force, uh, General Stephen Wilson, and uh, also the um, uh, assistant secretary of the Air Force for acquisition technology and logistics, uh, Dr. William Roper, who is in charge of all acquisition of everything for the Air Force. They're both in the audience for, uh, for our demo day. Uh, each company gave a little five-minute pitch, uh, and it was, uh, it was based on that performance that uh, Dr. Roper decided to, uh, to fund the uh, AFWorks office uh, for uh, a bunch of years uh, in the future, uh, as he was very enamored with uh, this type of output. So um, uh, that kind of happened. But the um, 10 companies, all the information is public. I actually had one company that wasn't even from the United States. They're from Portugal, a company that makes... Uh, low-cost graphene-based products for uh, composite materials. The company's called Graphinest. Uh, I had uh, two companies in the supply chain area. One is uh, called 14BIST. They make a blockchain-based um, par aerospace parts repository for tracking uh, aerospace parts through the supply chain uh, for, for understanding where every part has been and who's owned it and how many hours are on it and what it's, what's its value and has it been in, in uh, nefarious hands, et cetera. I had another company that makes uh, invisible ink for marking aerospace parts, so you can Ooh. covertly track parts through the supply chain, and you have to know exactly what frequency of light to shine on the mark in order for it to respond in a different frequency of light. You have to know what frequency of light to to uh, be looking for, so it's a very difficult uh, mark to um, to uh, find. So I had these two supply chain companies, the graphene company. I had uh, two drone companies, two specialty drone companies. Uh, one is called RoboDub. RoboDub makes a morphing drone. This drone hmm. can actually change the uh, the orientation of its uh, rotors with respect to each other, so it can um, rebalance itself to react to uh, imbalanced loads that it's carrying. So if a load is swinging or sloshing or, or you're, you're dropping uh, one package while still retaining a bunch of other packages, the drone can actually reconfigure itself to adapt to these imbalanced loads which is uh, very unusual. Uh, cool. Another specialty drone company that uh, makes a precision station keeping drone that's uh, called Sick Drone. And their drone is designed to stay uh, rock solid in high winds and in any sort of uh, turbulent situation uh, in order to gather data a little better. Uh, it's also a, um, a fast interdiction drone. It's supposed to be uh, hit uh, over hundred miles an hour for chasing down other drones. Oh, wow. That was another one. Uh, we had, um, a company called Blind Tiger Communications that makes a fascinating device that can capture uh, any and all uh, radio frequency signals in an area and then sniff them to determine whether they're allowed or not allowed and to then manage them. For example, um, one of the biggest markets is prisons where 40% uh, of all prisoners in the United States have illicit cell phones in prison for them to you know, run their, their legal businesses. And, and, nope. uh, what a percentage? And, uh, Four zero forty percent of prisoners in prison have illegal cell phones that they're not supposed to have. Yeah, believe it or not. Wow. So, uh, so Blind Tiger Communications makes a device that can detect when an illegal cell phone goes on in an area and can capture the phone call, shut shut off the phone call, uh, let the phone call go through, but record the phone call. Okay, and also uh, direction find to where the phone is is uh, transmitting from. So obviously their their military um, uses are, are pretty clear. They can also capture drone signals for uh, for the um, the streaming video and the control signals back and forth to a drone, so they can shut down a drone as well. They can also detect oh, wow. uh, illicit uh, Wi-Fi hotspots 
Uh, very often for intelligence gathering, foreign governments will place hotspots in sensitive areas in the hopes that somebody's computer will log on to it and send uh, confidential data. So Blind Tiger's uh, communications a box can, uh, can detect when there's illicit uh, Wi-Fi signals going on as well. So that's another, uh, another uh, company yeah, in my it's class. Really cool stuff. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. Very, very cool. Let me think. Did I miss anything? Ah, yes. Uh, there was um, one company that made a, um, uh, a, a, a big data analytics platform for analyzing drone data. This is a company that uh, is experienced in drone forensics. Uh, their name is Ursa Secure. Uh, Ursa Secure uh, has a, a SaaS platform for uh, ingesting data from drones and uh, using that data to determine whether uh, the drone is in good repair, whether it's flying correctly, uh, but it can also determine whether the drone has nefarious intent, meaning that if somebody, a bad guy is flying a drone, you can tell by the way it's flying, or whether or not it's um, it's uh, you know being being flown with good intent or bad intent. And then I had a, a marvelous company called Guardian that makes an extremely low-cost radiation detector that can be mounted on drones or robots, uh, and in a swarm can detect any radiation in the area, a fabulous little company. And then uh, last but not least, uh, one of my darlings is a company called Notch that makes a device that uh, you can shroud around a, uh, an omnidirectional antenna. Imagine a disco ball that you put around an omnidirectional antenna and the, the facets, the individual facets of this disco ball can be turned on and off as a radio frequency mirror. So if somebody's trying to jam your antenna, you can turn the mirrors on on one side and reflect the jamming signal away and continue to communicate. Uh, if you want to uh, boost your gain in one particular direction, you can create a virtual uh, dish by turning all the reflectors on behind the antenna. Then the, the antenna will, will shoot out its RF in, a, in a much more power in the direction that you want the uh, power to be, to be uh, directed. Yeah. You can also make your antenna covert by turning off, turning on most of the mirrors and just opening up a very small aperture so that your RF signal only goes in the exact direction you would like it to, then nobody else can detect you. This winds up being a huge capability for um, uh, keeping your communications um, covert, for being able to jam your enemy's communications but not jam your own, which is a huge problem on the battlefield for increasing the, the range of any RF device uh, and uh, decreasing the probability of anybody jamming you. So fascinating uh, technology from a company called Notch, Notch Technologies. So I think those, are, cool. those are my 10, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. OmniPresense, a company that makes the, uh, the world's smallest and cheapest radar, it's $100, and uh, hmm. it can see about 100 yards, and it's uh, used for drones, robots, and whatnot, and they're, um, their vision, uh, their radar, the next gen of their radar, can actually see weapons underneath your clothing. So they're uh, preparing a, uh, a device that should be able, just like a camera, it's like a security camera, that as you walk by it, can detect whether you have a weapon under your clothing, uh, and using AI can uh, determine what kind of weapon it is and, and send, a, send a warning to somebody that there's a weapon under your clothing. How big of a range does it have? Can it go out to 100 yards, or it has to be really close to detect a weapon? So uh, the current version they have it just detects the gross objects out of the 100 yards. They're next there into their board. Should be able to detect the weapon, but you're right. It does have to be in quite a bit closer. It'll have to be more in, in security camera range uh, for it to actually mm. detect the weapon. Your clothing. 
No, that's so cool. But very exciting. Cool. Yeah. So what, um, you know, I know you're going to see far more. It'd be really interesting to talk to you in another year when you've seen tons more uh, companies. But what is this, um, how does this change your perception of defense and war, you know, uh, for the U.S. and worldwide? Where, where do you see things going, by the way? So uh, it is uh, vital. It's not even optional that uh, our Department of Defense uh, adopts these uh, commercial business practices as fast as possible. It used to be that we only had one adversary in the world, which was the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union. And we didn't have to be good. We just had to be a little bit better than them. And that actually wasn't too hard to do. Uh, but in, in this day and age, uh, it's not possible for the U.S. Department of Defense to stick its head in the sand and pretend that uh, nobody else is leapfrogging them and continue to plod forward with, with a grotesquely overpriced um, uh, programs and projects when they've been completely obsoleted by a commercial variant of the product. You can't ignore it any longer. So, uh, so this, uh, this business model change is absolutely mandatory. Uh, and then we can still keep ahead by, by adding money uh, to create those exotic uh, features on top of the commercial technologies, but we can no longer afford to waste the money on the uh, mundane underlying, uh, underlying technologies that can be bought off the shelf. So there's no choice at all. Uh, we are, we are, I'm just, yeah, and of course, autonomy is going to be at the very, very bleeding edge of this. Uh, we're going to uh, having AI on the edge. Uh, and that's actually one thing that, that the, the DOD was very interested in as well, was uh, Techstars has already accelerated 1,300 other companies in all of our programs. And we do uh, about 400 to 500 a year now. Uh, not, obviously, I only, I only do 10 in my program, but there's 45 other programs around the world. So the Air Force really wanted to get a handle on what everybody else was doing uh, in other programs. And by working with Techstars, they have the ability to keep a pulse on what, uh, what everybody is doing uh, around the world and all these other programs. They really are uh, mm. taking advantage of our whole network, not just uh, um, our particular program. Uh, and clearly, uh, autonomous technologies are at the top of the heap as far as latest advancements that, are, that uh, both we and, and our adversaries around the world are, uh, are looking at to create an edge in the battlefield going to be like that for a very long time very cool yeah um the battles of the future i mean are they gonna just be all cyber warfare or uh you know again what's your perception on what war or conflict will look like in the next you know 10 20 years well you know there's going to be uh believe it or not a lot of social media involved the perception of uh one's enemy's populace so there's going to be a huge amount of psyops uh, based on what's going on on uh, on social media um hmm. There's going to be a huge amount of autonomy on the battlefield, uh, meaning devices that are unmanned, probing out first, sensing what's going on, uh, and then, you know, uh, man, the actual uh, uh, combatant, uh, they'll be more and more displaced from the battlefield and, and controlling things from, from the air-conditioned bunkers thousands of miles away, which we currently do today to, to a great extent. That's just going to become uh, more and more. Uh, we'll be at standoff uh, ranges for these things. And that's just isn't. That's totally natural. That's the way it's going to have to be. Yeah. Huh. Well, very interesting. So um, what's the best way for interested listeners to uh, find out more about Techstars and maybe to uh, communicate with, you know, with the right people about the program and find out what's coming up? So if anybody who's got a great little startup company with amazing technologies, not only in my area of uh, autonomous, I'm also uh, looking at augmented reality and virtual reality for my next class. But if you just go to the Techstars website, techstars.com, uh, you'll be able to look up all the different programs around the world. Uh, look up mine. We'll be uh, 
uh, probably the uh, we're probably going to do a rename uh, this next year because uh, the Air Force has broadened the uh, subject matter area of my program. It'll wind up, uh, I believe, being the Air Force Accelerator powered by TechStars, uh, and uh, and they'll be able to uh, send in an application. Uh, the mere act of sending in the application is is a very good advertisement for any small business because. Uh, your application will get in front of experts in the Air Force who will kick the tires and let you know what they think. So it's a, it's a very good idea to apply whether or not uh, you want to get in, think you'll get in. Uh, uh, it's, it's a good a good PR in and of itself. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's great. We'll learn it. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. You're an unusual guest, but you've got a lot of great uh, great stuff going on, and I'm glad that the thinking process uh, makes so much sense, You know, especially from the, the DOD and the Air Force. So thanks for coming. My pleasure. Yeah, people would be surprised at how uh, innovative uh, and entrepreneurial the DOD is becoming, but uh, they, they understand the predicament they're in and they're, they're actually moving quickly to make changes. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.